Greetings, fiends. Tori and Chell here with another episode of whatever the hell this is. (laughs) (laughs) Vampires ruined my life. We're talking about Interview with the Vampire as adapted by AMC. This is episode four. What is this title's name, Tori? Uh, It is The Ruthless Pursuit of Blood with All a Child's Demanding. Oh, yeah. That's a great quote from Interview at the Vampire. It is. It encapsulates our our lovely Claudia perfectly, a.k.a. the best fucking character. (laughs) (laughs) According to narrator Chell, of course. I just want to say a big shout out to all of our new listeners. Hello and welcome. Uh, It's been lovely hearing from you on Instagram and Twitter. Definitely keep talking to us. We love you. Uh, If you want to learn more about child vampires, like as a just overall primer, we actually started this season with an episode specific about them. Mm hmm. Because I did get an inquiry asking for recommendations about more child vampires. So nice. Yeah. Oh, and if I sound extra craggy today, it's because I went to a wedding and I was there until one in the morning. (laughs) Partying it up. Partying it up. So yes, indeed you do. The things I do. I got up early for you fiends. This this vampire lady (laughs) got up for you. Just, you know, keep that in mind. Things I do for art. (laughs) So before we dive into the episode, I just have a couple of corrections and a couple additional things. So taking care of a little business. First of all, in the pilot episode, I kept calling the showrunner, show creator, Roland James. It's Roland Jones. I knew his name. I don't know why I kept saying that. And I didn't catch it in editing either. I actually went back to fix one of our sound bumpers. And when I was doing that, I realized I was saying James. So that's not his name. Sorry. I don't also, think he cares. <laughs> I, he probably, well, I'm sure he does not give a fuck about what either of us think about him or the show. Right. <laughs> and I would highly doubt he is listening to this podcast. But anyway, I just, I try to get people's names right. So that was an error. Also, we pronounced Levy's name wrong. His, his name is Levy. We were calling him Levi. That's um, Louis' brother in law. And then for episode two, I was talking about editing. And then I realized that like, I'm talking about story editing and script editing. I'm not talking about like the actual TV film editing, really, because that's not really my area of expertise. So I just wanted to point that out just to clarify. um, The problem is all in the writing, baby. It's all in the writing. So I just had a couple things I meant to mention at the end of the last episode and then just completely spaced. But I've had a week to think about them. So here's a couple little things. One, episode three introduces the aspect of the fallibility of memory, and I just thought that was really interesting. I'm curious to see where they take it. I'm kind of wondering if they're trying to set it up for Lestat to come in and then say, like, oh, no, actually, it happened like this, because now we have this, like, Mm -hmm. established fact that everything Louis says may or may not be true. I have a funny feeling that the show is going to, like, the very last scene of the show will be a little flash forward to where the book comes out. And Lestat picks up the book, like, in a store, and he starts reading it, and he's like, that's not how it happened, you know, and cut oh, to end credits. You, you know? mean at the end of season two? Whenever interview ends. Whenever yes. interview ends, which actually I don't know if that's, I would assume season two. I honestly don't know. I know it's yeah. not season one. 
I also wonder if they're just trying to make sure the audience understands what an unreliable narrator is because they seem very heavy handed about things. And so they may just be trying to make sure people understand that concept because they think we're not going to get it if they don't like hammer it in our faces. So I don't know. I, mean, I just thought that was a possibility. The first thing, well. the first thing that um, I'm sorry, finish your thought. I interrupted you. No, that was it. Oh, OK. Um, the first thing. Well, according to Kevin Smith, the first thing they teach you in film school is that the audience is stupid. Oh. Yeah. And that you have to, like, browbeat them. Yeah. I mean, that makes sense. I also was just thinking about how, like, Louis says the book is going to be a warning. And I guess that's meant to be a warning to mortals that, like, they shouldn't embrace a vampire goddess like akasha or want to be vampires or whatever i'm not entirely sure i just i thought that was weird i don't know that we mentioned it in the last episode so i just wanted to mention that that was weird to me mm. um and if we did mention it in the last episode it's still weird i'm still turning it over my brain i'm not gonna sleep till the show's over i'm literally waking up at two in the morning going oh my god what about this? <laughs> just thinking about it <laughs> like i'm trying so hard to just be normal about the show and then i'm just like absolutely not being normal in any way so well it is what yeah. it is. Yeah, it is what it is. But like, I'm also like, yeah, I don't know. Like, and I and I feel like in the books, and I hate comparing and contrasting. I'm not. I'm just like, I feel like in the books, like Daniel just like he had no intention with it. Like you know, until he just was like, this was fucking weird, and he like you know sent it in. And well, I think part of, and this is just my theory because it doesn't actually come up. We never really find out. We know that as he's driving from San Francisco to New Orleans he is copying the tapes in his motel room at night and then sends them off to a publisher. Mm -hmm. My theory on that has always been that he was kind of thinking if it's out there in the world, Louis is not going to hunt me down and kill me for having the tapes or other vampires aren't going to like come kill me because I have the to only silence copy. me because it's already been done. It's already out there. So I, I'm assuming that was the thinking again. We don't actually get that in the book. We yeah. never find out what his logic on that was just that he was like, it's going to be a book now. And yeah. Armand was like, no one's going to believe it. So have at it, have yeah. fun with it and did not stop it. Cause he absolutely could have. So that's where we're at with that. The other thing I wanted to mention that I just found a little odd is that Daniel's drinking in the show. He is drinking wine with dinner in episode two. And I believe it's episode three where Rashid makes them like martinis or something, some kind of cocktail. And I just thought that was a really interesting choice, given that they hammer home how Daniel was this addict. Um, I but of nar narcotics, I have right. friends, I no, I have friends who have gotten sober from narcotics, but mm -hmm. still can drink. Me too. I just felt like that was a weird choice, because if you're making a point that this character is an addict, then having them drink alcohol, it just seemed like a little bit of a weird, mm -hmm. a weird decision to make. Because obviously I have friends like that, too. And in real life, that is a thing that happens. Addiction is different for everyone. Recovery is different for everyone. It just felt a little weird because they're making such a big deal about him being an addict and then he's drinking alcohol without a problem, which is a thing that can happen. But just I don't know. I thought it was weird. So I just wanted to point that out. Yeah. And maybe because like, you know, he has Parkinson's and he, th you know, he's essentially dying. So he's just like, fuck it. You know? <laughs> <laughs> he's just embraced nihilism. He went to see a vampire in Dubai and fuck it he's gonna have a glass of wine like who cares yeah that's fine too i just i thought it was an interesting choice that's all yeah especially because book daniel his 
poison is alcohol and alcohol mm-hmm. is actually what almost kills him in the end so i don't know again just thought it was a weird choice but it's not like one of those things that's totally ridiculous or unrealistic it just kind of was a thing i wanted to mention mm-hmm. and then we had someone on our instagram who commented and said that rashid actually appears in the vampire chronicle books um i'm not sure i'm going to pronounce this right but the name is Savo Farrell. So thank you. Shout out. I appreciate that. So I looked it up. I asked what book it was and they told me Blood and Gold. And so I looked up Blood and Gold. I looked up Rashid. And there is a character named Rashid. He is very short lived. And I'm going to tell you about book Rashid very briefly. So Rashid appears after Marius moves Akasha and Kill to Constantinople. He is in the city with Mail and Avicus, and they're there for about less than six months when they notice that other vampires are coming around their house and, like, spying on them using the mind gift. And then eventually two of them appear at the door, and they have this note from this vampire, Eudoxia, saying that it's customary for blood drinkers to ask permission before hunting in her city. So she wants them to come meet with her. One of these young vampires who brings the note is Rashid. He is described as having been turned around the age of 13 with dark black hair and black eyes. Very long story short, Marius speaks with Eudoxia and he senses a threat from her as they're speaking. Like he realizes she's trying to harm Avicus. So he attacks her and she attacks him and they have this little like vampire power spat. It's kind of funny, actually. Like like a (laughs) wizard duel? kind of yeah it's really it's this scene is actually really hilarious i don't know if it's meant to be hilarious but i was cracking up and then rashid and the other boy who came with him to deliver the note they appear with these swords and they're going to attack them and possibly kill them and marius literally just thinks i wish i could set you on fire and destroy you and he does he doesn't realize he has the fire gift until that moment when he sets rashid on fire and rashid is burned to a pile of ash and that is the very short life of Rashid the Vampire in the Vampire Chronicles. R.I.P. Bro. Yeah, R.I.P. It's it's really funny. I was just like, what is I have not read that book in so long. Yeah. Um, I'm not convinced that that's the same Rashid. Like, it's not an uncommon name. It's a weird coincidence, but also that feels like a super deep cut for the show to make to like pull this random character who exists for like 20 pages out of a later book and then throw him in as Louis' manservant. I mean, it's possible. It's definitely not impossible, but it just feels like that would be a weird choice. So I don't know. I don't know if that's where they got the name or if that's just a coincidence or what's going on with that. But I appreciate the heads up. So thank you for letting us know. All right. And now on to the ruthless pursuit of blood with all a child's demanding. So we open with Daniel on the phone. Sounds like to an editor explaining that he's in Dubai and he can't say why, but he's working on a book, not an article. Maybe they can run a chapter in Vanity Fair. Rashid appears and Daniel tells the person on the phone that he needs to call him back. Rashid acknowledges that Daniel is missing an infusion treatment, so they've consulted with his doctor and have done it here. Also, Louis will be resting today, so he's not going to join Daniel until the evening. Rashid then asks Daniel to come with him to the reading room. I mean, my first thought here was just, get off the screen, Daniel. Claudia's coming. Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm impatient. Um, also, like, okay, so like during this exchange, Rashid says something 
immediately sus. He says electronic mailbox uh-huh. instead of email or inbox. And I was like, oh, like my radar went instantly like beep, 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 vampire. You're a vampire. <laughs> like, yeah, you are, 100%. You are a vampire. <laughs> For sure. And possibly one who didn't spend the 80s with mortal Daniel Malloy learning all about modern technology. I'm mm-hmm. just saying. I'm just saying. I, I was just like, oh, who are you? And um, and you know, and to be fair, we have never, including this episode, seen Rashid um step into daylight. No. He's the windows... always in shadow. Yeah, the windows in this episode are. They don't seem to have the tint on them, but then he is in the shadow and he's not in the sunlight. So I don't know. I'm still suspicious. I have my suspicions. Yeah. I, he, he Like, there will be another moment. But yes, Rashid, like, as soon as he said electronic mailbox, I was like, oh, you're a vampire. Okay. <laughs> For sure. <laughs> so then Rashid tells Daniel that he'll be handling very precious materials to give him um, an alternate perspective on the story Louis is telling. And he lays out old diaries in front of him um, before giving Daniel uh, gloves to wear so to you know protect these very fragile items so it turns out that these diaries belong to Claudia he opens the first one on the right and it's dated November 14th 1945 the first word saying we've arrived in Paris what a relief which we can talk about this more at the end too but that really surprised me because 1945 is way earlier than I would have assumed they would have gotten to Paris. Mm-hmm. It's also an interesting choice because that's like right after World War II. Yeah. I don't know. Just weird timing. So Daniel works his way down to the first diary, which is the one Rashid told him that he recommended he started with. And it is from 1917. And the diary opens with Claudia talking about the fire and how her aunt told her to like stay in the room and, you know, stay safe. But then the fire spread and burned up her aunt and she was expecting to die too. But then the black angel came and we see Louie and he's panicking and he like picks her up and she says that he was strong and fast and he carried her out of the fire and he takes her to this room that she thinks is heaven and she sees Lestat and says, oh, it's the white angel. So now there's a black and white angel. And she's still convinced that she's like dead. And we see them arguing back and forth. And Louis just like, you've got to turn her. You've got to help her. And Lestat's like, no, that's a bad idea. And finally, Louis convinces him. So Lestat acquiesces and he bites her and he gives her his blood. I thought this was really interesting in a very good way that we start off immediately with Claudia's perspective because it gives her agency mm-hmm. um, in a way that the original material did not. Yes. Um, no, I actually really like this as a framing device. Like I mm-hmm. thought it was kind of cool to step away from Louie telling the story and have yeah. someone else kind of interject a little bit in a different way it does kind of make it harder for them to come back though and say like Lestat wasn't actually this giant jerk if that's their plan later because now we have two accounts showing that he Mm -hmm. is actually a giant jerk so I don't know but as a framing device it works really well right and I also like that it was Louis who was desperate for Claudia to live like and like it wasn't but you know it, it came out of 
the guilt because of the fire, you know, whereas in the book, it came from the guilt of just having drank her, you know? Yeah, I mean, it's definitely very different from how Claudia comes about in the books, for sure. Like, obviously, in the books, it is Lestat's decision to do it. Mm-hmm. And Louis is actually against it. Mm-hmm. And this is the exact opposite, which is fine. This is a different story they're telling, for sure. It's a, yeah, no, 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 it's fine. And I think it's actually, like, I think it's a really cool perspective on um, and, a, and a cool change. I was like, oh, that's that's really interesting, you know, because it ties in with him feeling guilty. And it also it also ties in to the original inspiration, I think. Of of Michelle, of Michelle Rice, because here you have Louis, you know, um, who is Anne's stand in just desperate for this child to live. And begging, you know, the father, Lestat, who she based off of her husband, to be this, you know, back when Michelle was sick, it was the very late 60s, early 70s. And, you know, masculinity and the dad is like the head of the household and don't worry, dad will fix it. Father knows best, you know, like those kinds of tropes and roles were very integrated into in, into society and they talk about it a bit in um Anne's biography okay and um you know how helpless they felt and how like stan the dad like just couldn't help his daughter you know right. um and so i thought it actually hearkened very well back to that original inspiration sure of like yeah i being, can see that yeah so I that's what I felt when I was watching it. So once Claudia comes round, she looks around the house and starts immediately asking questions. She asks how Louis found her. He says he heard her cries for help and explains that they can read thoughts. She asks Lestat what she's thinking, and he can't because he's her maker. But she and Louis can share thoughts, and she asks if Lestat's the dumb one, and they share a laugh. Yeah, unless that is already super annoyed at being shut out. Like, you can just see immediately this is not going to end well. <laughs> oh, I know. But I thought, like, the fact that they can actually communicate telepathically is a really good device for when, you know, shit really hits the fan. Yeah, it's definitely going to change their dynamic a lot, too, I feel like. Mm-hmm. So Lestat jumps up and immediately appears behind her and promises to teach her his tricks as long as they have no family secrets. Claudia asks about the incinerator and Lestat tells her that's where they burn the bodies. And I just have to say in the scene, Louis is wearing this green striped suit and it is fucking amazing. It is the coolest suit I have ever seen. It looks great on him. It is just so good. Yeah, yeah. I I mean, all their clothes. And I just want to go on record. All of Claudia's outfits are fucking amazing and so cute. And I want them all. They are very cute. She has very cute clothes. So Claudia calls them Uncle Les and Daddy Lou, and she says that they were rich, and we see them driving in a car, and she also kind of notices their hands touching, and she notices that they are very affectionate with each other. So they are apparently teaching her how to kill, and they pull up to this intended victim, but Claudia is distressed at the thought of killing, and Louis like, guess she takes after me. <laughs> <laughs> I thought this scene was really funny. And Lestat describes blood drinking as eating syrup while riding on the wind, which I just, I, mm, that, I just don't, 
and it's not a metaphor I understand. I don't know what that was supposed to really invoke. It was very purpley and therefore it was very um <clears throat> racing. <laughs> I don't I don't know that it is because she described blood drinking a lot in many better ways. So I don't know that that's true. The At way least they ways were gone. cohesive. Yes. Yeah, I feel like this is very just kind of like picking random things out of the wind and I guess just being like, hey. I don't know. They're, I thought it was a really weird line. They're probably playing Mad Libs. Yeah, I mean, it did the, feel like they just had like a book of words and they're like, oh, syrup sweet and the wind is invigorating. Let's just mix those two things. <laughs> like, Okay, now I'm thinking about pancakes because I'm watching this on Sunday morning and I really want pancakes. Thanks. <laughs> then they have a gay dad discussion of Claudia's outfit where the stats like, I'm not sure I like that skirt. And Louis like, oh, it's really nice fabric or whatever. I don't know. It's funny. And Claudia approaches the man, but she hesitates. Oh, and this is where Louis says that she takes after him. Sorry about that. And Lestat is like, fucking great. That's what I need. <laughs> two Louis in my life. Great. I need two people chasing after rats down the alley. This is going to go wonderfully. And while they're talking, Claudia runs off and they're like, oh, shit. And she approaches a police officer and he's hey, obviously... Cap. I was going to say, he's obviously a bastard. And he's like, where are your parents, little girl? Which, <laughs> I mean, I'll say this now. I'm going to bring it up a couple more times. Claudia does not look that little. <laughs> like, I get I get that we're supposed to suspend our disbelief. And they do, when she's wearing pigtails in certain outfits, she looks a little bit younger. But she she looks like she's 17, 18, 19. Like, she doesn't look that young to me. <laughs> uh, she does to me. She she definitely does to me. Okay. Because I just kept thinking that she, like, everyone's going with this little girl, but she doesn't look that little. She looks like an older teen, so she's still a child, but, like, just not, not as well, young as everyone's also, acting like she is. he's a white officer, and he's calling her little girl because she's yes, black. That is also true. So, anyway... So Louie and Lestat come around the corner and see her talking to the police officer. And they're like, no, 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 no. And she attacks the officer and she kills him. And Louie warns her to stop while they're still alive and not drink them into death. And then Lestat is like, who is it that she takes after? So, yeah, it was cute. It was funny. I I love her. Discern I like her discerning taste for killing. A cab. A <laughs> cab fiends. A cab. <laughs> <laughs> so they arrive at home with the body. And Claudia insists that she's still hungry. Lestat thinks that her teenage appetite is more permanent because of how her metabolism is. Mm -hmm. Like where they froze it, I guess you could say, in time. And I like that because she's supposed to be like, uh, she's supposed to be 14. And so this metabolism would make her hungrier than usual. So I don't know. I like her. So they tell her that she can have more tomorrow, but she starts begging and crying crocodile tears <laughs> and while they begin having a uh, gay dad argument claudia just runs off and kills someone else <laughs> you gotta watch her you gotta watch her real you closely. gotta watch her <laughs> so then we get a little bit of claudia's voiceover and she talks about how blood is sweeter than any food and we see her eat a macaron from a macaron tower that they have in their house and i just like why did they even have that I don't understand. Also, I still think it's stupid for vampires to eat food, especially if in the universe it doesn't taste like anything but soap. Like it just may. Anyway, it's fine. I just it's always going to bug me. I don't like that. I think they probably had it either for decoration or because maybe someone sent it to them. Yeah, it's possible. It's just a. Yeah. <laughs> it's just weird. Anyway, 
she talks to books she kind of messes with stuff she like smacks the macaron against the wall she like opens the skylight and closes it again she's kind of screwing around and Louie and the stat are calling her telling her it's time to get into bed because it's almost sunrise or the sun has actually risen who knows and she finally gets into Louie's coffin to sleep and then Lestat's like in his coffin and he can hear this like scratch, 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 scratch. And he realizes that she's writing in her diary and he tells her to put down the pen. And so she starts asking questions. She's like, okay, you made me and Louis vampires. So who made you a vampire? And Lestat's like, did you put her up to this? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and they start arguing in French. And it's fucking hilarious. Lestat and Louis take Claudia coffin shopping for her own coffin. Louis tells the coffin maker that she has a heart condition and will pass on soon. The undertaker offers to take her measurements so as not to distress her. (laughs) But Claudia pops up from a coffin, very giddy and says, it's so soft and it's pink. And I, and I really love it. And it's so cute. (laughs) Okay. Well, I know what I'm getting you for your birthday. Thank you. (laughs) So, the coffin maker realizes that oh, something's not right as Claudia is begging for the cute pink coffin. Louis shuts the curtains while Lestat kills the undertaker. Claudia is very happy with her own coffin, but one morning she, while they are uh, all supposed to be asleep in their coffin room, she hears one of the other coffins open and she sees Lestat going into Louis's coffin. And oh dear, dads are trying to have special dad time. Claudia needs her own room. Yeah. So then we see that Louis and Claudia are in this rowboat and Claudia catches a firefly in a jar. And she's talking to Louis and she's like, Uncle Les has a lot of secrets. Louis's just like, yeah, he's really old. And older people just don't like talking about the past. (laughs) I thought that was really funny. Like he is really old. He's like way older than they are. It's just, I don't know, it's hilarious to me. And Claudia then asks how love between two men works, which I was just like, okay, I don't, I don't know about this conversation, but it just felt really awkward, but okay. And he's like, it just does. And he tells her that sometimes he used to pretend to like ladies, but he doesn't do that anymore. But Uncle Les likes ladies sometimes. And then Claudia's like, what does Uncle Les do when he goes off alone? Does he go see ladies? I don't know. This conversation felt really awkward to me. Like, it didn't feel like real dialogue. It was just kind of weird. But anyway. Yeah, it was. It started off actually pretty good. And I did, again, like that they brought it around to, like, queer theory and such. But then it got awkward and stilted when he was trying to explain Lestat. And that's kind of, I was like, mm-hmm. It just didn't feel like a real, like, 14 or 15-year-old asking questions of this guy who's now her adopted dad. I don't know. It just felt weird. But she's naive and young, so I don't know. I guess I can just hand wave it. Yeah, I mean, she, I mean, yeah, and it's a different time. So, like, emotionally, I would assume, or, like, I would say worldly. Um, Yeah, okay, yes, you're right. She would be probably less worldly and aware. Yeah, yeah, yeah. like they're, you know, a 14 year old girl is not going to know what you and I as a 14 year old girls already knew. True. So. So Louis says that sometimes when the stack goes off alone, he kills and it gets extravagant. And he knows Louis doesn't like seeing that, which is why he does it by himself. 
And then Louis catches a fish and drinks the blood. And Claudia is so grossed out. Her face is amazing. She makes the <laughs> best expression. She is just completely disgusted. And she's like, you can't like how that tastes. And he's like, well, I try to. And he tells her that she can also live on animals. Or if she's going to kill people, she can kill quickly and painlessly. She doesn't need to be extravagant about it. And then he explains that his extravagant kill is what caused the fire at her house. I'm surprised she didn't have more of a reaction to that. Yeah. And also I was surprised he told her because, again, I keep trying to map this to the books and I really need to shut off that part of my brain because it's not going to. But like in the books, Claudia learning that Louis even played a part in her becoming a vampire like infuriates her. Like she picks Louis over Lestat for sure. Mm -hmm. But you get the impression that she's not happy with him either. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. This is her, her reaction is very mild. And maybe, I don't know, maybe that's supposed to be like a testament to like how cut off she feels from humanity at that moment. Like that she's still reeling in her newfound vampirism. I don't know. Maybe, maybe. They just don't make that clear. Yeah. So Daniel stops reading because he hears something and finds Rashid in the living area praying. He sasses that he thought... Louis was Rashid's god and asks how Muhammad feels about vampires. Rashid ignores his barb and asks Daniel if he has what he needs. Daniel says for a killing machine, he likes Claudia, which is my favorite line of this whole episode. (laughs) I mean, book Daniel would probably agree. So cool. Daniel would 100% agree. (laughs) You know, for a killing machine, I kind of like her. And I feel like that is actually a very Daniel line. And I'm like, one yes. of the only ones we'll get, but let's yeah. take it. Let's take yeah, it. Let's take it. <laughs> um, but he apologizes to Rashid for interrupting his prayers. Rashid says something in a language that gives Daniel pause. Daniel realizes that Rashid is not local to Dubai and tries to place the phrase that Rashid said to him, guessing that he might be from Crimea. Rashid remains silent prompting Daniel to go back to his computer where he's keeping his notes. Yeah. Daniel also wants to know where Rashid Steele is. He has like this document and at the top, he's talking about like the pilots that brought him here. And then he has a section on Rashid where Mm -hmm. he's like keeping notes on things that he said. And one of the notes is how he makes like a really mean cocktail or something, Mm -hmm. which I thought was really funny. Like, it's just hilarious to me that even Daniel, who I guess is supposed to be the audience stand in a little bit, is like, who the hell is this guy? (laughs) And I wrote in big fucking capital letters, oh shit, it's Armand. Yeah, I'm back on the Rashid might be Armand train. Like, I I know we just had this whole section about how there is a Rashid in Blood and Gold. Again, that Rashid gets burned up like hundreds of years before this interview takes place. And I just, I just, I really don't think that the writers of the show, like, went through the books looking for minor characters they could use. And even if they did, I mean, I guess that's possible. It's just, I kind of suspect that's where the show is going, that this is our bond. And that's what we're going to find out at the end of season one. Could be wrong, but we'll see, I guess. Yeah, I'm 100% back on that train. Toot nice. toot, motherfuckers, let's get in. <laughs> I know. It's so funny because we were like, nah, he can't be. And now we're just like, yes, no, that is who that is. That, yeah, that, so is, we'll Armand. See. that is Armand. That is We'll find and out. Then I, and then I'm like, and then I was like looking at him. I'm like, yeah, he looks like a rod. Like, I mean, obviously with black hair, but otherwise, yeah, like 
I mean, the show is not sticking to anything in the books at all. So, like, there's no reason that it has to be in any way similar. So anything could happen. We just don't know until we see what they do. So Daniel picks up the next diary and he learns that Claudia has finally been given her own room. So we see that they've made this like magic panel in her room. So there's a bed against the wall and then they hit a button and the panel flips around and there's a coffin there instead. Which I have questions about why these vampires need coffins since they can walk around and move around in the day. I don't know why they couldn't just sleep in a bed if there's no sun in the room. Probably because they would have to do something to the windows that would make suspicion rise. I mean, but they're walking around the house during the day and not having any problems. Like, it doesn't seem to be an issue. So I don't know. Mm. I don't know. that Because even their coffin room doesn't have windows. So, yeah, I don't. maybe it's just habit. Maybe that's how Lestat learned to be a vampire and he's sticking with it. I don't know. Yeah. Just a question that I have for the vampire lore. So then they throw a birthday party for Claudia and they're wearing party hats and they have a banner and there's two dead guys on the couch that they've apparently <laughs> killed. So, you know, it's a normal vampire birthday party. I thought that was really cute. As you have. And Lestat gives her a gift and it's this necklace. So she runs over to the mirror and she holds it up and <laughs> the necklace is like comically long. Like it is way too long for a person. And she holds it up and she's like, when am I going to grow into this? And like, I'm sorry, Bailey is cute as hell. She really is. She does not look like she's that young. And that necklace is way too big for anyone to wear. Like, it's absurd. I know we're supposed to be suspending our disbelief, but I'm having a really hard time because it's just like every time they show something, I'm like, okay, but no one would wear the necklace that long. That would be down at your waist. Like, it's ridiculous. So, yeah. (laughs) I, um... (laughs) Yeah, I felt like they could have used a different visual device to get the point across. And, like, I know that she's supposed to be 14, but, like, she looks 16, 17. And there's a scene later where she puts on clothes and she just looks like an adult. So, like, she can obviously pass as a grown-up. Like, it's just, okay, I will suspend my disbelief as much as I can, but I'm I'm struggling with it. (laughs) So then we see some happy moments. Not really a montage, but there's a couple of moments of them, like, dancing together in the courtyard and then they go see a movie i believe they see nosferatu it's nosferatu and they're like howling in laughter about how inaccurate it is yeah and it's it's actually like one of my favorite little scenes <laughs> and then they get back to the flat and Lestat is like imitating nosferatu which is really funny it's super cute mm-hmm. and then the phone rings dun 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 also, I want to interject in here that because Claudia is older, she quickly becomes like the fix it only child. Like she sees the wrinkles and bumps in the relationship of Lestat and Louis. And she takes on like the emotional burden of trying to fix the marriage. It is genuinely an excellent flip of narration that gives her so much agency. And I and I kind of love it, you know, because she in her narration, we hear her saying that, you know, that they fight like they argue you know quite a bit and she's like well then i just you know make things happy again you know and that's like when we see them dancing in the courtyard and they go to the movie and they're you know goofing around and like that's such a only child or older child you know kind of trope that in real life you know yeah totally i just i appreciated that detail yeah, I can that see she that. realized her role or she burdened herself with the role of the, the caretaker of her her new parents marriage. Yeah, I mean, it's sad. It's tragic. But 
you know, but that's that's what I don't know makes her like a a well-rounded character. Totally. So Louis's mother has died, and they attend the wake. Claudia stares at the body dispassionately as Grace and Levy approach her and ask who she's with there. Louis comes up and introduces Claudia as his adopted daughter. Claudia makes a, a few ill-mannered comments. Louis urges her to go over to, to go keep Uncle Les company. Louis tells Grace that Claudia is an orphan that he and Lestat have adopted. Grace doesn't seem to think that that was a good idea and asks that he not bring them to the funeral in the next day. Louis doesn't think that they'll be able to make it anyway. Levy begins to list all of the family events that Louis has missed over the years. Grace says that they need to talk about the house. They offer to pay him in installments, but they can't pay him what the house is worth now, and they know that he doesn't need the money anyway. Louis threatens Grace a little after her hostility gets under his skin, and then Lestat comes over to rescue him, saying that Claudia wants to leave. As he leaves, Louis says to his sister that he will draw up the papers for the house. Yeah. It's, it was a very sad scene. Was it? I thought it was funny. <laughs> because Claudia's just, like, staring at the body, making really inappropriate comments, and Grace oh, and Levy no. are like, who the hell is this kid? And then Louis comes up and is like, oh, this is your aunt and uncle. Why don't you go hang out with Uncle Les for a minute? And they're just like, what the fuck? I thought it was good. Well, no, no, no. I'm saying it's good. I think it was sad because of the strained relationship that that Louis and Grace have. That's what I mean. Like, it's just really sad that they were so close and loving at one point. And then because Louis is a vampire and he's had to force himself to detach it's it's put a huge strain on their relationship yeah so it's just sad that like this is what's happened you know no totally yeah so that teaches claudia to drive which is one of the things that we saw i can't remember if it was the trailer behind the scenes but i remember seeing it going okay this is gonna be amazing because it's just awesome uh so one good thing about them having cars i guess and that she's old enough he can (laughs) he can teach her how to drive So as they're driving, Claudia says that Lou is her favorite, but she and Uncle Les have a lot in common. And Lestat has taken Claudia to a lover's lane because he decides this is a great place to hunt. He says that the blood of young people in love is the sweetest. And they're kind of a captive, uh, I don't want to say captive audience, like a kind of a captive victim pool because they're trapped in these cars. So it's just like super Mm -hmm. ideal for murdering (laughs) That's just killing tons of innocent people with no remorse in the show, I guess. That's how it goes. So he does warn her that because these people are young, they're strong and they're likely to fight back. So she's got to be on top of it. So Claudia watches this couple make out and get kind of hot and heavy. And then they notice her next to the car and they're like, oh, my God, who are you? What are you doing here? (laughs) Fair reaction. And she like jumps through the car window and she kills the man. But while she's focused on the man, the woman gets out of the car and she runs. And this is so campy horror movie, but she Uh like runs and she runs to Lestat and she's like, oh, there's a there's a monster over there. Help me. And he's like, ah, yes, she's with me. (laughs) I love that. 
Oh god, this whole episode is so campy horror. Like this is just such a campy horror show, and it is hilarious. I I loved it. I love it too. I just it's campy horror, and I I dig it. So due to this incident, Claudia accidentally learned about sex. Whoops. Whoops. Unforeseen consequences of your actions, Lestat. They're coming home. <laughs> Lestat is that um, Deadpool TikTok meme of... Uh, what is that? I don't, I don't use TikToks. So I have no idea. I'll think of it. Well, it's like Deadpool's being chased by I think Captain America because he showed he stole his shield and he's singing like look here comes the consequence 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 look here look look here comes the consequence of chasing me right now <laughs> it's like I don't want this consequence consequence <laughs> it's just like it's it's big Lestat energy <laughs> okay gotcha the children will know what I'm talking about. Yeah, I, I have no idea. I'm too old for this stuff, guys. I'm just old and cranky. I don't use TikTok. <laughs> <laughs> I use cat videos. Um, <laughs> I use so Instagram Louis- sometimes. That's, the, that's as wild as I get. Yeah. <laughs> so Louie and Lestat argue about the whole incident. Louie's very, you know, horrified. He's like, you took her where? You took her where? <laughs> You did what with my baby? (laughs) Claudia, meanwhile, ignores them and narrates that something from this incident just opened up inside of her head and her body. She realizes that she's been 18 for seven months at this point, and it's time that she started acting like it. So this narration is happening while Claudia goes through her wardrobe and takes out and dumps out all of like the more childish looking clothes. One night she dresses in the clothes she stole from a girl at a speakeasy and very much looks like an adult. I think she looks like a teenager dressing more adult. I do not think that she actually looks like an adult. Yeah, I mean, she looks very young, but I yes. think that hard-pressed, gun to her head, she could pass as an adult. Yeah, I... If if the clothes fit her better, because they didn't... Yeah, I mean, that they did with the wardrobe, they did try very hard, and there are a couple times where it is very effective that she does look a lot younger because of the clothes they put her in. Mm-hmm. I did not feel like this was one of those times. I felt like she looked her age, which is or the actress's age, which is 19. Right. So Claudia is dressed like this in these clothes she stole from the speakeasy, and she's walking down the street, and there's these other teen girls kind of across the way, and they're too far for her to hear if she was human, but she's not human. She's a vampire. So she can hear that they're mocking her, and they make a racist comment, and she gets really mad, and she bears her fangs, but then there's a horse next to her, and she spooks the horse, and the horse spooks, and it spooks her, and so she, like, reels back and like is against the wall and then she looks over at the boy driving the carriage and he apologizes for his horse and she tells him that she was just smelling the flowers so she didn't faint because the horse spooked her she learns that his name is charlie and he gives her a ride home on his carriage because he doesn't want her to faint it's it's cute they flirt a little bit cute and we can see that claudia is clearly smitten it's adorable 
And I'm like, oh no, this sweet boy. I know, I know. It's probably not going to end well for him. Mm. So Claudia writes in her diary about her crush on Charlie and then runs through the house to be on the veranda while his carriage passes below. She says to herself, oh, he if he looks up, that means he likes me. But if he doesn't, well, I, I guess then, you know, it was just all me. And right at the last minute, he looks up and drops a bouquet of flowers for her at the door. And she races down with, of course, Louis and Lestat just being grumpy old people going, there's no running in this house. <laughs> Tag yourself. I'm Louis. Stop running in this house. <laughs> no skipping. <laughs> there is no young and youthful joy in this house. God damn it. <laughs> so Claudia goes to receive the flowers. And there's a little note that says, in case you're feeling faint. And I do love the little extra detail because those flowers are chrysanthemums, which in the book are very important to Claudia for different mm -hmm. reasons, but still it's a nice touch. Mm -hmm. So while she's out on the stoop, Louis uses the mind gift to ask her what's going on. Who's Charlie? And she, bull, she ignores him. And we just hear Louis going, are you blocking me? <laughs> oh dear. Which, oh no. So then we see that she's out for ice cream with Charlie. This scene was weird to me. I have so, I have a couple quibbles. My main quibble is that like she's not eating the ice cream, which again, mm -hmm. tastes like soap. I get it. But we have established in the show that vampires can very much eat ice cream. So if you want to convince a guy that you're having fun on a date and you're enjoying the ice cream, just eat some of the ice cream. Like, I don't understand why she's not. It was weird. I just, that confused me. If she was a vampire, like in the books, who could not eat, then I'd be like, okay, well, that makes sense. But she can. We know she can. So it's, uh -huh. it's confusing. Anyway, he's like, don't you like your ice cream? She's like, oh, yeah, yeah. And she starts asking him, do you take all your dates for ice cream? And he's like, oh, well, this isn't a date. You're kind of young. And she's like, no, I'm not. I'm 19. And she, she looks 19. <laughs> they they did a close up on her face, so yeah, I think <laughs> she looks nineteen. She could easily be nineteen. I yeah. mean, yeah, and she obviously really is in the story too, but she's supposed to look like she's fourteen, and it just anyway, it's fine. He's like, no way, you're older than me, and like <laughs> she looks like she's the age she said. And then she talks about this toy shop that used to exist, and he's like, oh, that must have closed when you were a baby. Which, if that's true, he wouldn't really know about it either, because he's apparently the same age. Yeah, I didn't understand the math on that one, and I got a brain freeze trying to work that out, so. Yeah, I don't, again, I don't know. But she must convince him that she is, in fact, 18 or 19 or something, because then they're making out. And while they're making out, she hears his heartbeat and gets excited and bites his neck. And then, oops, he's dead. Rookie vampire mistake, I guess. Uh -huh. It was very true blood. Mm, yeah. Very Jessica. Okay. Who I, yes. I realize is, I think, only a character in the show. Yeah, I don't think she was in the books. It's no. been a long time since I've read the books or seen the show, but I remember that being a difference. Yeah. There were but a I really lot liked of differences her. in the show in the, those books, too. That, yeah. But yeah, she was one of my favorite characters in the show. 
I've only ever read the first book and it bored me. Like I literally fell asleep. I really liked the books, but I like all her books. Like I like all of Charlene Harris's like mysteries and stuff. So I enjoyed them, but they are very different than the show. Much like this is very different than the Vampire Chronicles. (laughs) They're two separate things. Heartbroken, Claudia brings the body of Charlie home and begs Lestat to turn him. But Charlie's dead and Lestat can't. He's very irritated and very brutal. He makes Claudia watch as they burn Charlie's body, telling her that's why they don't get close to mortals. Sooner or later, they all end up dead. It's very sad. Which also disturbing. Hypocritical as fuck, Lestat, because Mm. you just spent how long chasing mortal Louis around town? Like, come on. Like, I know his plan was to turn him into a vampire, but he spent plenty of time with him as a human in the show. So, back in Dubai, Louis comes into the room where Daniel is, finally awake, and he says that Claudia is a vivid writer. Daniel calls it Anne Frank meets Stephen King, which yikes i'm not even going to begin to unpack that that just seems like not a great thing to say Mm -hmm. and i'm blaming the writers not the character i'm forgiving tv daniel for this one Mm -hmm. just seems like they should have chosen something else yeah yeah so daniel starts the recording again (laughs) one thing i do think is really hilarious about this is that anytime louis like comes into the room whether he's eating dinner or daniel's pouring over these books the minute louis appears he's like start recording like it's just so journalist like he's like okay we're getting this on tape i just think it's funny so he asked louis where the diaries were in 1973 and louis says they were scattered but daniel doesn't buy that so louis sits down and he explains that claudia was his everything and that his love for her silenced his pain and daniel's like you had a daughter and Louis's like, yeah. And Daniel says that he has two. And Louis's like, if you came across their diaries that detailed how and when you failed them, would you share them with a brash young reporter you met at Polynesian Mary's? Fair. Yeah, I mean, it's fair. Although if you're telling your whole story, I don't know. Again, eh. Eh. Yeah. it comes back to like, what went wrong in that interview that we still really haven't figured out other than maybe maybe all we're going to get is that Daniel was too high. Louis didn't like how it turned out, took the tapes and was like, nope, never mind. This was a bad idea. Also, I don't it wasn't as I didn't sound like it was premeditated on Louis's part anyway. So he wouldn't have had the diaries like on hand. Like he's like going to gay bars and being like, do you want to read my dead daughter's diaries? I mean, maybe. Who knows? So Louis asks where Daniel is in the diaries, and he says he's at 1923 at her date with Charlie. Louis says that was a pivotal moment that destroyed the peace of their house. And he says, Claudia was, and he kind of trails off, and Daniel just fills in a Band-Aid for a shitty marriage. (laughs) My God, Daniel, you're a reporter. Have some respect or some tact or something. Come on, you can phrase this a little more gently. Like, Louis's mad that 1973 Daniel was disrespectful, but this Daniel's not pulling any punches. So I don't know. I don't know. So Daniel continues reading. Claudia rants about her 14-year-old body and being stuck like that forever. In a rant that sounds like a very melodramatic teenager. Well, I mean, we were all there. Yeah, we, right. we, will, we were all there once. 
Overwhelmed by her emotions, Claudia opens the skylight in the Rue Royale flat. She holds her arm in the sunbeam and screams as it burns. Foreshadowing. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I, I, I have a funny feeling that your theory of her surviving is not... Oh, I I totally think it's true. I think she's gonna live. I was gonna talk about that actually. Oh, I wanted. I still, I still am on the Claudia is going to live train. I'm convinced. I hope you're right. To be honest, I think. And again, I do not know where I got this theory. It just popped into my head one day, and I was like, "Yes, that is true," and I believe it with my whole soul. Like I just think TV wise, one, I think the show is going to try to pull some things on people who think they know the books, and so. I am expecting them to do that. That is part of why the Rashid is Armand thing makes sense to me because I do think they are trying to like get those twists in. Uh, It may not be true, but I also think with Claudia, they're going to do the fake out where we think that she's dead and we're going to learn that she's not, or we think she's going to die and we learn that she did not actually die. Mm -hmm. So that is just my theory. I could be totally wrong, but I'm just throwing that out there again. Because I mean, I hope you're right because I love her. I will say this scene where she's wearing like the little... um, white nighty and it's covered in blood and her hair's mm-hmm. is i thought she looked closer to 14 in this scene like i thought they did a really good job with the costumes and makeup there were a couple other places too where she did look as young as she is supposed to look right so i just wanted to shout that out because they do get it right i just i don't know maybe it's because i know how old she is and so for me it's just uh, just having an issue suspending that disbelief for some reason so but they did a good job in this scene she did look very young mm-hmm so what did you think of the episode overall? I really enjoyed it. I thought it was campy as hell. I thought it was funny. I mean, it, it's definitely not Vampire Chronicles. It's definitely a separate story. But I thought it was fun. I had a good time. I was laughing a lot. I definitely thought it worked in that way. Like, it was just entertaining. Yeah, I I, I loved it. It's my, I mean, obviously, like, and unsurprisingly, my favorite episode thus far. Mm-hmm. Um. I liked it. I liked, I thought Claudia was a very, uh, I think this Claudia is like a breath of fresh air as far as like different takes on her and, um, just adding to like the roster of, you know, cool killer kid vampires. So, um, so yeah, I don't know. I just can't wait to watch her fuck shit up more next week. Yeah, and I think next week is going to be... I only watched a little bit of the preview, but yeah, it looks like it, things are going to get wild and intense. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I do think it's interesting that... And again, realize this isn't the books, but I can't help comparing. So I do think it's interesting that she knows so much just so quickly. Like, she knows exactly who made her a vampire. She knows exactly what the deal was with the fire. She knows... She remembers being made into a vampire. She remembers the fire. She remembers her mortal life. So she doesn't have that cut off from humanity that book Claudia has. Because book Claudia is just pure vampire, right? Like she doesn't remember being a human being. She doesn't know how to relate to human beings. She struggles to relate to vampires who have humanity because she just, that is not her experience. Right. So I think that's very different. Um I am curious, like, from the preview, I think we got to see a little of what the problem is going to be between her and Lestat, because I was kind of wondering, because obviously, 
at the end of this episode, she does kind of start to resent how old she was when she was turned. But that doesn't, again, she's paying a pass for a grown up. That girl can rent a hotel room. No one's going to question her. She's fine. She can drive a car. I don't know. It just, I don't think that's going to be as big of a catalyst. But I do think that there are going to be some problems. Um, I also think that just the fact that Lestat is an unapologetic prick in this show is going to be a huge problem for her, as yeah, it should probably wants- be for Louie. <laughs> yeah, and 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 he wants probably like you know control mm-hmm. of yes. her, and um the fact that he can no longer control her is I think going to be I think that's going to be the big thing too. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think you're right on that. Which is you know um which plays into her being a teenager more than it does a you know permanent five year old. Oh yeah, for sure. But also, I mean, I think Lestat feels that way about Louis too. <laughs> Oh no! I don't for think sure. that has anything to do with the age so much. It's just that's how this dad is. He wants right. to be able to control them and have his little happy family the way he wants it. And if they don't do the things that he wants or they do things that threaten that, he's going to get mad about it. So yes, yeah. And just in case it's not clear, I do really love Lestat. So it is like giant asshole parentheses affectionate parentheses. And then again, I just think it's really fascinating that they get to Paris in 1945 like that. However long they're there, which I can't imagine is a super long time. Uh-uh. Like then what was Louis doing for all that time? Was he with Armand? <laughs> like, Is he still with Armand? <laughs> no. So I just I keep trying to figure out this timeline and it's going to bother me until I have it sorted out. Assuming the show ever sorts it out, which they may not do. Who knows? Mm, I'll give them the benefit of the doubt and say that they will sort out the timeline. <laughs> You're giving them more of a benefit of the doubt than I am because <laughs> that's fine. I am not. Then we're, then we're that equally balanced. <laughs> so I think we we've already touched base on uh, wild theories and ideas, and we're both back on the toot toot. Rashid is Armand train. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know we talked about that at the beginning of the episode. Again, I think that's too deep of a cut for the show to make. Like. They may have flipped through blood and gold and said, that's a good name. Let's use that. They probably didn't flip through blood and gold. They probably just flipped through like one of those updated vampire chronicles companion books. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Actually, that would make way more sense. Yeah. That scene is so funny, though. Like, I forget, like, he like doesn't know his own power. And he's just like, oh, shit, I wish I could burn you alive. And then it just happens. And he's like, oh, cool. I I guess I can I can do that now. Like, (laughs) it's just so great. Oh my god. I don't know. These books make me happy, you guys. <laughs> they just make me really happy. Except when they don't, and then they irritate me. Just, you know, so. <laughs> uh, my only other theory, again, is that Claudia is not going to be killed in the series, but that could be wrong as well. I don't have any new ones starting with this episode. I just, I firmly believe that they're not going to kill her off, but I could be wrong. We'll see. I'm I'm hoping you're right. And as I say every episode, as soon as this interview is over, Daniel's a vampire pretty much instantly. I don't know how it'll go. We'll see. Or maybe they'll like get into another fight and then Rashid, Rashid, I say in air quotes, <laughs> run after him and be like, hey, baby, wait. Oh, <laughs> and that you, I think you and I had a real connection. <laughs> and that's why the Daniel and Armand fans don't need to worry because it's all going to work out, I guess. <laughs> it is totally going to work out. <laughs> We're still not going to get the Devil's Minion chapter, which I really want, but that's okay. I don't know. He's Maybe he's going to be like, dude, you called it the electronic mailbox. 
I have some things to teach you. Oh, we'll get a different version. <laughs> we'll get a different version of, no, this is how shit works. What are you doing? This is ridiculous. Yeah. Stop being an immortal idiot. It'll just be different. Uh, if we get that at all. Again, who knows? Literally anything can happen. These shows are not really following the books. They're doing their own thing, beating their own drum. They could do literally anything at this point, And we may not ever be able to guess where it's going. <laughs> so. Right we'll just have to watch and see but i did really have fun with this episode i thought it was good i really liked how campy it was the scene where they're buying the coffin was mm-hmm. so funny because it was so funny she's just like he he i love this coffin and the guy's just like wait what something's wrong <laughs> something something's fishy and it's funny because they could have like explained it away like she's on some kind of medication to like yeah. help with her condition they could have done anything but they just immediately close the curtains and murder him they don't even try like it's just hilarious just straight to murder it's great <laughs> well that's what i love most about claudia it's murder first ask questions later <laughs> yeah i mean she really no compunctions about murder so that's good oh dear. all right well let us know what you thought about this version of claudia let us know what you thought about this episode. We're always happy to talk to you on Twitter and Instagram. We're starting to put uh, some polls up to get your feels on Instagram. So let us know, like check out our stories. I can't tell you when I'm going to do that because like it's just kind of when it happens. We're also happy to share your fan art of both OG Vampire Chronicles and the new vampire chronicles and your cosplay. So definitely tag us or, you know, DM us uh, the post and I will be more than happy to share it with the rest of the world. And sometimes I scroll through just the feed when I'm in bed and I just put stuff in stories too, for funsies. Cause mm-hmm. I don't want to get up. So I'm like, Oh, I'll just look through some Vampcron art. That's cool. Or just random vampire posts. Really, it's not all Vampcron. Um, although the What We Do in the Shadows art has cooled a little now that the show is over. But mm-hmm. Did you want to talk about any of the poll results? Oh, yes. I'm going to check them right now. Okay, so we had a poll earlier this week. Last week, I guess. It's technically last week. The poll that I posted on Friday, that's October 14th, Are you enjoying AMC's interview with the vampire? And the choices were, oh my fucking God, my new favorite show. It's good overall, but I'm indifferent. I loathe it. Or if I divorce it from the books, I like it. That was me. I voted for that one. I voted for that one too. And I think you and I were the only ones that voted for that because (laughs) (laughs) with 67%, uh, oh my fucking God, my new fave show uh, won, which is great. I mean, it's not not one there. There's no competition here. Yeah, no. And that's fine. Like it is its own thing. It is fun. It is a fun show. I'm not going to argue that it's not or that people should not be enjoying it. Right. I'm just a curmudgeonly book fan. So I just have quibbles. (laughs) Our next question is, who is your favorite character thus far? So the choices were Louis, Lestat, Daniel, Bricktop Williams. <laughs> and then I offered the chance for you to just DM us another character like, you know, Rashid or whatever. Uh, Louis got 17%. Bricktop Williams got 25%. And Lestat got 58%. Daniel got nothing. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm not surprised at all. Um, sorry, TV Daniel. <laughs> 
not shocked at that at all. And I'm not shocked that Lestat won by a I'm lot. Not, I'm not either. This show is very much Lestat's story, even though it's supposed to be Louis. I feel like it is very Lestat-centric. So, yeah. So, here are some of the answers that we got for people's least favorite change from the books to the show. We have making Daniel older. We have that it takes place in a different century. Someone did not like Antoinette. Another another vote for Daniel. Oh, and another vote for Daniel. Yeah. (laughs) And another vote for Daniel. (laughs) Overwhelmingly, nobody really likes the Daniel change. I think the Daniel change would work better if we just understood why like i feel like there's no reason for there to be a second interview and we still haven't really figured out why it's Uh happening and so i think i mean i would never love it because it just takes away so much of his story arc from the books and i think a lot of people probably feel that way but i feel like there are some people who would be like okay i can roll with that if we at least had a better reason (laughs) and so far we just don't know so it's just like this happened and we don't even know why right yeah agreed still, still salty and you know i think a lot of people are so and now on to the favorite change from the books to the TV show. Overwhelmingly, people seem to enjoy the fact that Louis is now black. Because it adds a lot more depth to his character. It's an interesting new take and a fresh narration. Okay, yeah. We also have a couple of votes for the fact that the queerness is a lot more obvious. For Louis and the stat, yes. Yes. Yep. And that's pretty much it. Oh, cool. <laughs> All right. Well, it's like a solid tie between those two. Thank you so much for joining us, fiends. We'll talk to you next week with episode five. Bye. This is Tori and Chell wishing you a fangtabulous evening with vampire wishes and batty nightmares. This podcast was edited by me, Tori. Our music is edited and mixed by Vikra the Never Living and includes... Dark Halloween Night by Chase Allen Willis, and Toccata and Fugue in D Minor by Johann Sebastian Bach, performed by Kevin McLeod. Thank you for listening. Please subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you really want to join our hellish crusade, please leave us five stars on Apple and Spotify. Be sure to tell your favorite blood-sucking themes about Vampires Ruined My Life.